0: today we're going to kick off a brand new series that I'm excited about. And we're going to talk for the next several weeks about the kingdom of God. Uh, I don't know if we've ever done a series on the kingdom of God. We've done individual messages, but never a series several weeks where we dive into the kingdom of God. And I'm going to go ahead and warn you that this series is so timely. So timely. The series is. Have you ever found yourself wondering, especially lately, why there's so much hatred in the world? Anybody? Have you been wondering, why is there racism in the world? Have you ever wondered that? What about why? why is there always tension between politics and religion? Why do we have so much conflict? Why can't we all just get along? Come on. You ever wondered that before? If you've wondered that and thought about that, then you've probably come to some kind of encounter with your emotions where you start to feel a little bit depressed. Because if you think about that long enough, you start to realize that the reason that all these things exist is because something is missing. We have deficiencies. I think if we're honest with ourselves and when we go through hard times and struggles and problems, if we get real honest and evaluate that, we start to get a little bit depressed because we start to realize that there's some deficiencies in us. Some things lacking, some things missing, if we're honest. If we're not honest, we're pointing fingers at everybody else and it's everybody else's fault, right? (sighs) Amen. Okay. But there is a solution and, and, and I hope to, to give you the solution through this series because I believe that Jesus has a solution for all these problems and all these things and all these deficiencies and the solution I am going to tell you today is not going to be found in religion, will not be found in religion and it will absolutely not be found in who the next president is. There's not a president on the planet that can bring solutions to the problems that we're currently having. They can help, but they can't bring the solution. But I hope today to show you what the solution is by teaching you about the kingdom of God. So if it's not going to be found in religion and it's not going to be found in politics, then where is it going to be found? It's going to be found in this idea that's been misunderstood for so long, and the idea is the kingdom of God. And the title of today's message is Kingdom Come, and I hope to show you today what happens when God's kingdom comes, and and I pray that you leave here today with a greater understanding of what God's kingdom is. How many of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer? How about we do the little exercise? Let's say it together. Come on, y'all ready? Ready? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stop. That is so monotone. <laughs> you sound like you're in grade school and the teacher's making you say the, the, the Pledge of Allegiance to Son. <sighs> let's just stop for a minute and let's just talk about what we just prayed about. Let's talk about this prayer we just prayed. Remember, this is the Lord's Prayer. The disciples asked him, how should we pray? He gave us this example of how to pray. Let's talk for a minute about what we just all prayed about. Because I don't think you realize what you just prayed. Because if you had an inclination of what you just prayed, you would start to get a little bit nervous right now. Let me just break it down for you for a second. You said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You just worshiped God. With his majesty and his mighty name, you just worshiped God. Great. Give yourselves a hand. You did a good job. You worshiped God. But then you messed up. You said, thy kingdom come. The word thy means God's. <laughs> it means not yours, but God's. So when you pray thy kingdom come, you're saying not my kingdom come, but your kingdom come. You just ask for God's kingdom to come, but it gets worse. You just ask for God's will to be done, which means you are asking not for your will to be done, but for his to be done. In other words, let me tell you what you just asked for. You just asked for your kingdom to die and for your will to die so that God's kingdom and his will could come. Kind of changes how you see the prayer, huh? Maybe next time it won't be, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be. What was Jesus telling us? That when you pray, The kingdom should come. Come on, that's not just a Lord Jesus heal my pinky toe kind of prayer. That's like the kingdom's coming. And then we said this, thy will be done in earth just as it is in heaven. You realize that in that prayer, you're actually calling heaven down to earth. We're actually saying to God, I'm not satisfied with the earth the way it is. I'm calling down heaven because heaven is greater than earth, and I want heaven to change earth. That's what we're praying. It's a prayer of discontentment. I'm not content with this world. I'm praying that heaven would come and invade this world, and that this world would start to look like heaven, and heaven wouldn't look like the world. I'll set you up and you fell right into it. Golly, you got suckered into praying for God's kingdom to come. What do you think of when I use the word kingdom? You think of when I get to heaven, the kingdom of heaven? Because sometimes the Bible calls it the kingdom of God, sometimes it calls it the kingdom of heaven. They're they're the same. Is it, is it something that you think of that is for then and there? Or when you hear kingdom, do you think of here and now? You need to get real honest with yourself for a second, because if you only understand the kingdom of heaven as something that's going to happen someday, then you don't live the way you're supposed to live. But if you start to understand that kingdom can come now, you start to live different, you start to pray different, you start to act different, you start to speak different, you'll spend your money different, you'll live in a marriage different, you'll go to work different, you'll drive your car different. <laughs> right? Because the kingdom is both now and to come. I'm going prove that to you in scripture today. I think this is a struggle that we have, though. If we understand that when the kingdom comes, it changes things. How many of you would agree, I don't like change? Okay, five of y'all are being honest. The rest of y'all are in denial. Nobody likes change. We love comfort. Come on, that's why you, got, that's why you bought that bed. That's why you bought that sofa set, because it was comfortable. That's why you won't go buy a new one when the pleather's peeling apart because it's comfortable. (laughs) We, We don't like change. But you see, that's what happens when we pray this kind of a prayer. When you pray for his kingdom to come and his will be done, that means that something is required to change. That means that usually something needs to die. Let me to tell you what that is. What needs to die is your kingdom and your will. <laughs> Boy, if y'all can see what y'all look like right now, your kingdom needs to die. Your will needs to die. You see, if I understand that when the kingdom comes, it brings change into my life, then I need—I, Jamie Tyler—needs God's kingdom to come into my life and change it. I needed to come into my family and change it. I needed to come into my community and change it. I needed to come into our nation and change it. And I needed to come into this world and change the world that we live in. But where does it start? In me. God always starts in me before he starts in anybody else. I'll prove it to you in marriage. Every time I've asked God to fix Cheryl, He fixed me. Right, Cheryl? He's still working on me, so I guess I don't know. Maybe she's good. I'm jealous, but okay. How many of you want to see change in your life? Let's just be real honest today. How many of you would say, There's some things in my life that need to change? It's good. About 90% of you. Good job responding. But there's a dilemma with change, isn't there? There's a challenge with change. We all want change but we don't like it when change happens, right? I mean, the reason come January, everybody signs up for the gym is because they want to change. But by the middle of January, they don't like the change because change hurts because when stuff dies, it hurts. When my will dies, it hurts. When my kingdom dies, it hurts. We want change, but we don't want to allow change to happen. Come on, be honest with me this morning. It's a dilemma. I want to be 250 pounds of ripped up muscle, and when I walk in the house, and my wife drops everything, goes, Poof. "Boy, you look good today." That's what I want. I want that kind of change. It's a long way from that. <laughs> Why haven't I got there? Because I don't like the way change feels. <laughs> Too much stuff got to die. <laughs> Am I underrated? Thank you very much. <laughs> got somebody. Take your hand off that boy's mouth. Let him preach. <laughs> if y'all won't say amen, them kids will. Come on. <laughs> so what God desires when we pray is that his kingdom comes. Yeah, that changes the way we pray. I no longer pray for my will to done. I no longer pray for God to bless my will. I no longer pray for God to bless my kingdom. I start praying for his kingdom to come, and when it does, I am blessed. You see the, you see the, the swap? God's desire is that we would pray and his kingdom would come. So in order to understand kingdom, you must go back to the beginning. So my first thought, I got four thoughts I want to share with you this morning. My first thought is this, and, and, and I want you to travel back with me to the beginning, the very beginning, thousands and thousands of years ago. I want you to travel back with me there. That's where we got to go to start to understand this kingdom of God. Genesis 1.1 says this, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now watch this, my first thought is this, before anything was, God is. In the beginning, it was just God. Now it was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but it was just God, there was nothing else. The Bible says that he took and formed from nothing everything that we call creation. He took it from nothing and formed it. Are you seeing it? So, so before anything was, God is. If that's true, then everything that is created from that point on, he is the king and the ruler of it. Amen? The word God denotes that, that, that he's self-existing. He's the self-existing one. He's self-sufficient one. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anybody. I hate to break your feelings today, but God don't need you. But you are pretty cool because he made you. But don't ever forget he don't need you. He's self-existent, self-sufficient. He was when there was nothing else. Are you seeing that today? Therefore, God is not his name, but rather a description of his character. But God had this idea, and he wanted to create something. And so with his words, if you read the Bible, the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. It says it was formless, but he created it. He spoke it, and when God speaks, things get created. So he spoke creation into existence, the heavens and the earth. Then he put everything that he wanted in heaven, in heaven. He put everything that he wanted in earth, in earth, right? That's why we got mosquitoes. You can be mad at the mosquito control people, but that was God's design. (laughs) He put everything on the planet that he wanted on the planet. Then he created man. This is so cool. He created man to rule and reign over all of creation. He created a paradise where the Bible says that he would walk in the cool of the day in the garden with Adam and Eve. Do you know that's his desire for every one of us? That God would walk with us in an intimate, deep relationship, like the most special relationship you could ever have, the one you look forward to the most, the one you can't ever get enough of. Come on, you remember when you were dating your spouse? It's like y'all couldn't get enough time together. You know, when curfew would come around, you'd be like, oh, the curfew. That's God's heart for us. And so he created this paradise for us to live in called the Garden of Eden, right? And he put man in the garden and he put woman in the garden and he gave them dominion and authority over it because he wanted to be in relationship with them. Are you seeing this? So it's all God's idea, right? It wasn't Adam's. It was God's. He wanted it. He wanted humans. Watch this. He wants you. He actually likes you. Other people might not like you. They don't like your post. They don't like your, your anyway, I'm not even gonna go there. But God likes you. John chapter four, 1 John chapter four tells us that God is love. God created you and God loves you. Love is not what he does. Love is who he is. Can you see that today? There's a big difference. Because if it's what he does, then he can decide to not do it. But if it's who he is, it's, it's just what happens. Right? And because of his love, and because, of, because God is love, love is fulfilled when it gives and shares itself. So God created man to love man and for man to love God. You see it? See it? He created it. If he created it, he's the ruler and the king over it. Amen. Yeah. Number two, second thought, was man was created for the purpose of rulership and leadership. Man was created for the purpose of rulership and leadership. Listen to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man... In our image, according to our likeness. So God made this decision when He was creating man. let's make him in our image. But that needs a little bit of clarification. That does not mean that we look like God, or that God looks like us. That word "image" is actually more likeness. I'm going to explain it in a minute a little bit more, but it's basically this, that, that we are created like God to rule and reign over something that's been given to us. So he says, let's make him in our image. Let's make him in our likeness. Then listen to what he says. Let them who, man, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the, over the, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his likeness, and he says, and let him have dominion. That word dominion in the Hebrew is the word mamlaka. Mem- it's hard to pronounce. I don't do good with those words. It's mamlaka, which means this. It means to rule. It means to reign and to master. So back up for a second. God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates man and says, let's give him dominion over it. Are you tracking with me? Shake your head. He he gives man, us, mankind, dominion over the earth, over everything that he created. So look at me. You, a child of God, have dominion over everything that he created. Amen, Pastor. Amen. Didn't walk in here believing that, but boy, that was good to hear. You have dominion. You have rulership. You have reign. You you are the master over all that God's created. I know for some of you, you're looking at me like this is weird theology. This is the Bible. I'm going to show you how it applies. The first thing that man was given by his creator was a kingdom. He gave us a kingdom. Whose kingdom? His kingdom. He gave it to us. Pretty cool, eh? If you don't think that's cool, you need to go to the doctor and get your heart checked. <clears throat> but notice he did not say, let us have dominion over it. He said, let them have dominion over it. And I got to get this point across because he gave it all to us. To us. I know you didn't come to church today looking for more responsibility, but boom, you just got some. (laughs) I don't know how you came in here feeling today. I don't know what people have said to you this week. I don't know what you think about yourself. But what God thinks about you is that you're a ruler and you're a king over his creation. And he establishes it. And he established mankind as the only legal authority on earth. With the power of eternity to of, of a, the power of attorney to act on his behalf. So we were created to have dominion over the earth. He, we were given the responsibility for representing the kingdom of God on the earth. How's this landing? Huh? Is this landing okay? Like, are you tracking with me? Seriously? Okay, I don't want to, like, leave you behind. You look confused. I'm just, that's why I'm asking. Okay, maybe you're just thinking. I got a weird thinking face, too. (laughs) Check this out. The kingdom of God is the only kingdom that ever existed where every citizen was a king. The only kingdom that ever existed where every citizen is a king. Now, when we think of kingdoms, we think of a, a king, right? And a queen, maybe. And then rulers underneath them. But then all the citizens are the subordinates, right? We're the, we're the sheep, the ones that just get, get pushed and pulled and, whatever, right? Not in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, every citizen is given dominion over the earth and all creation. You got to get this today. This is going to change your life. I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. I wonder, chew on this, I wonder if that's why one of Jesus's names is King of Kings. Because if the Bible says that I'm a king over all of creation and Jesus is my king and me and Cheryl are both kings, then that means he's the king of kings. You ever put that together? The king of kings. Wow. I hope you're starting to see yourself a little bit different today. said, I hope you're starting to see yourself a little bit different today. I mean, I'm not cussing at you. Some of y'all looking at me like I'm uncussed at you. Like I'm calling you some names or something. I'm not calling you now. I'm calling you up. Right? I mean, you're a king. You didn't meet anybody this week that called you a king. Listen to what Peter said. This this will blow your mind. Peter, Peter, Peter says it. The same Peter that denied Jesus three times in the rooster crowed, right? Peter, the same Peter. Listen to how he describes us. He says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Wow. I'm going to say it slow. You're a chosen people. Like you're chosen, you're not frozen, you're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. That means you're royalty. Yeah, but my last name is (laughs) LeBlanc. So what? God says you're royalty. I don't even go back to my hometown anymore because I'm afraid to get stopped by the cops. I might get arrested and put in the newspaper for something my my people did. (laughs) But even though I'm still royalty, right? (laughs) He says, You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. Isn't that good? So my first thought was this, that before anything was, God is. The second thought is, is that man was created for the purpose of rulership and leadership. That's what you were created for. If you were created for that, then that means you have the ability to do that. Even if you're not good at it right now. That's called growth. Okay, third thought. The greatest threat to thy kingdom is my kingdom, not Satan, not the left or the right, not Republicans or Democrats, come on, not not the Soviet Union, come on, not the Osama's of the world, They're not the greatest threat to God's kingdom. The greatest threat to God's kingdom is my kingdom. Because when my kingdom exists, his doesn't. And the only way his kingdom exists in my life is when my kingdom gets pushed out. Oh, there's a war. Let me tell you something. There's a war. There's a war. And there should be a war going on inside of every one of us. It should be a battle every day. You should not be ignorant that, oh, I'm just going to give my life to Jesus and everything going to be peaches and cream. I don't know who told you that. We didn't, you didn't hear that here. How's that other church lied to you? The greatest threat to thy kingdom is my kingdom. Think about Adam and Eve for a minute. The first two humans created. Kings, royalty, priesthood chosen people, God's very own possession, the ones he looked forward to walking in the cool of the garden with. In one moment, they forfeited it all. Let's just just chew on that for a minute. Adam and Eve, the whole thing's theirs. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Multiply. Lord, over this whole thing, I give it to you. One stipulation. One. Just one. Just one. Like, why'd you even have to say I couldn't eat from the tree? Like, I'd have been better off if I didn't even know that tree existed. How many of you like me? Like, don't tell me what I can't do, because then I'll be tempted to do it. Pray for me. One tree. And in one moment. Do you know, side note, do you know the fall of man in the garden was a big deal? Like that was not God's plan. That was not his desire. That was a big deal. Why was it a big deal? Because in that one moment, that one act of disobedience, everything changed. And what mankind was given was forfeited. It was given away. Isn't that just like us? Like we got all the kingdom. We have all access to heaven. We can call down angels. And one stupid little thing in the corner gets all of our attention. And we'll give it all up for that one thing. Adam and Eve standing there in a moment. Kings with all authority. And they give it up to eat from something that they thought they needed, that they thought they were lacking. How many times do we forfeit our kingship to fulfill a lust in our heart. How many times do we forfeit our kingship and our royalty because we don't get what we want? How many of you have ever been guilty of this one? Come on, I deserve this. If you're married, you've definitely done that. This is what's crazy is Adam didn't only lose the kingdom, he also lost the most important relationship he had with God. Wow. The fall in the garden was a big deal. If you understand that and you understand what was given away, then you really start to get this new revelation of all that God did to restore it. Is this making sense? Like, you you get to, like, from chapter 2 or 3 where they give it away until Matthew, when John the Baptist comes and says, hey, there's one coming, there's one coming. He's going to restore the kingdom. From from the garden to then, God did all that to restore it. I mean, listen to me. He could have said, done with y'all, wipe us all out. I'm gonna start from scratch. I'm gonna create a new heaven and a new earth and new people with a better brain. (laughs) The greatest threat to God's kingdom is my kingdom and I believe that's why we're struggling like we are today. As a nation, as a world, But watch this, as a church and as a child of God. Because you see, Adam went from thy kingdom come to my kingdom come, and then everything started falling apart, right? They lost paradise. I'm so mad. But we had paradise, Gerald. We had paradise. They gave it up, but we're gonna get it we'll get it again. Everything fell apart. So, so what does that mean? That means this, that every time I forfeit my kingship, things start to fall apart. You ever wonder why things fall apart in your life? Hello? You ever wonder why things start to fall apart? Maybe you're a creature of habit and you start to point fingers at other people. Well, it's the government. It's society. It's because I live in Louisiana and they don't use my taxes right. It's because of this. It's because my mama this and my daddy this. And you start pointing fingers at everybody else because your life is falling apart. But, but would you stop for a second and maybe evaluate yourself and say, could it be me? Could it be that all of a sudden my kingdom came and his kingdom left? And now my world's falling apart. And it ain't Satan's problem. It ain't other people's problems. It's your kingdom's problem. mm I can hear you chewing. So if that's true, then let me help you out. Let's flip the script for a second. If all of a sudden one day you wake up and you realize my world's falling apart or my life's falling apart. That's an indication that your king, your kingdom just became the most important thing and God's kingdom got kicked to the curb. Oh, I can, I can hear what some of you are thinking right now. I mean, some of you are, you're, you're debating, you're going, "Okay, but does that mean that like every time I have a problem, it's because of my kingdom?" You can overthink it if you want to. But the reality is this, as long as my kingdom exists, his kingdom does not exist in my life. I forfeit my authority. I forfeit my kingship. Are you seeing it? Listen to what Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians. He said, talking about Jesus, he said, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life would no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Jesus died so that you wouldn't live for you anymore. <sighs> but boy, we sure spend a whole lot of time taking care of ourselves, don't we? You know what Christ came to do? He came to deliver me from me. Not from Satan. Satan. He'd give me victory over Satan in a heartbeat. He's already done that. He came to rescue me from myself. But nothing's going to change in my life unless I'm willing to submit to the king of his kingdom, to Jesus. So that poses a question. Where is God specifically calling you today? What is he specifically saying to you today that needs to die in you? What needs to die? Can you be honest enough with yourself? It doesn't matter what age you are. Something needs to die. Is there a desire that you have that you will not give up on? Does that need to die? Is there something that you think is owed to you and you won't be satisfied until you get it, is that what needs to die? Is there an independent thing in you that you're not willing to submit to an all-powerful God? What is it inside of you? Is it a lie that you've bought into that you're worthless and you're trash and it doesn't matter what you do? What is it that needs to die in you? You need to ask yourself that question and you need to answer it. Because I believe the Holy Spirit right now is specifically dealing with every one of us about what needs to die in us. I know that's a heavy, but you know what happens when you identify it and then you crucify it and you lay it at his feet? You know what happens then? Life comes. His kingdom comes come on your authority comes back your hope comes back your joy comes back because now it's not dependent on your kingdom it's all dependent on his kingdom I just get to walk in the authority that he's given me amen it's better to go his way than our way we know this and my fourth thought is this this morning God's intent is to rule the earth through relationship, not religion. So if God's going to rule the earth through us, if we're the kings and we have all the authority and he's going to do that through us, then how does he do that? Does he do that according to how good we are? Does 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 he do that according to how much we don't sin? Does he do that according to how much we say hallelujah and praise Jesus and quote scripture? You can shake your head or something. How does he do it? How does he rule through us? Only by relationship. Only by relationship. There is no other way. Only by relationship. What was true in the garden is still true today. God moves in and through us by relationship, not rules and regulations. You know, if you, if you took this book and if you could just like lay out all the pages and you had the ability to see the whole big picture of this book, you know what this book is? This is not a book of the law. This is a book of relationship. It's a relationship book. It tells the story of a wonderful God who created mankind in his own image and likeness, and he wanted to spend time with them. But they gave it up. They became independent. So instead of getting mad at them and wiping them out, he created another way for them to be restored again to him. And then he's such a gracious God that he's going to create paradise again because the Bible says that there's going to be a new earth and a new heaven. It's a book of relationships. Anything God ever does in your life is going to be done through a relationship. That's why it kills you to be isolated. That's why it's dangerous to be independent. I don't need nobody. Let's give that a couple months and then come back and tell me again. I got this. He's going to rule the earth through relationship. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. This has become my new favorite portion of scripture. I've been just kind of chewing on, it and I've been, it's been in my messages the last several months, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I hear this. I just hear this verse like this is what we're supposed to be doing now. Listen to what Paul said. He said, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. So God was in Christ, reconciling the world back to himself. That's that plan I'm talking about. After Adam and Eve forfeited their kingship, then God starts moving in Christ to bring us back to him. Why? Because he misses us. Because he loves us. Because he hasn't given up on us. Amen? Amen. It says, and and, and so he's no longer holding people's sins against them. Somebody better say amen. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. We're his representation on the planet. Listen, God is making his appeal to reconcile the world back to himself through us. How's he reconciling the world? Through Cheryl, through Gerald, through Justin, through anyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus. He's doing it through us. Yeah, you. <laughs> we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Isn't that good? That's his plan. That's how he's calling this lost world back to him. It's through you. It might be time to start living like a king it might be time to start believing you're a royal priesthood. Like Pastor Bubba would say, it might be time to stop thinking you're a barnacle on the bottom of a shrimp boat in (laughs) Delcom. That was a classic, y'all. Some of y'all been around here for a long time. Y'all heard that a lot. You're welcome, Pastor Bubba. Pull one out of the grave. It might be time for us to start being kings again. I wonder if what this world really needs is for you and I to be kings again. I wonder if what your family really needs is for you to be a king again. Let me show you what that looks like. Cheryl and I are parents. We've been parents for 21 years. God gave us three kids. I think they're the most beautiful kids on the planet. Come on, go. <laughs> Smartest. Most likely to succeed. Kids on the planet. He gave them to us. And he said, I trust you with these three. That was a heavy responsibility. But he didn't give them to us without any authority. Come on, parents. He gave the kids to us to go along with the authority that he gave to us as well. And his desire was not that we would just stand by and hope that they make it, but that we would be intentional in how we raise them intentional in how they live, intentional about their health and their spiritual well-being, intentional about how that one day when they leave my house, how are they gonna go? We have the authority. The kids don't. Can, can I say that a little nicer? We have the authority. The kids don't. Because the Bible says until they leave mom and dad, they don't become their own person. You listening, Ethan? He frowned at me. He knows that. So let me show you what it looks like. How many of you have ever had your kids believe lies? They called me ugly at school, mom, Mom, am I ugly? Virginia came home one day, I don't have any friends. Nobody likes me. It's not true. One instant, when Virginia said that, I pulled up the old scripture. I said, sit down, I said, grab your Bible, baby girl. I'm going to use my authority, right? I said, grab your Bible, open up right here. What does the Bible say? Read that for me. If you're friendly, you will have friends. That's what God said. Do you believe it or not? Well, read it again. If you're friendly, you will have friends. Okay, what does that mean? That I need to be friendly. You just keep being friendly and you will have friends. And pff, it happened. <laughs> Within a couple of weeks, she's got friends. Wow, I my authority. But there's been times where they've believed lies about themselves or lies about their, their parents. That Y'all are just trying to control my life. <laughs> that happens when they get older, y'all, by the way. For all your young parents, when they get about 15, 16, 17 and older, oh, yeah, you're trying to control everything. You're trying to run my life. I don't want to let me live. Just lies. Lies, lies, lies. But you know what I'm called to do? I'm not called to complain about that. I'm called to address that. So, mama and daddy daycare are going to use their authority to straighten you up before you leave this house. Right? And when we want to come in with a club and send them back to Jesus, we go pray. Right? Sometimes we lay hands on each other because sometimes we know what that look is. And then sometimes you sit up till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning listening to their heart. Remember, you're the king. You don't have to act irrational. They can be irrational, but you don't have to be. And you listen. And then you identify the lie they're believing. And then with all authority that's been given to you, you speak to that lie. You say, let me tell you something. That is not true. That is a lie. I'll tell them, find that in the Bible for me. If it ain't come from the Bible, it came from Satan. That's a lie. And if they're believing something about themselves, I'll take the word of God and start to change their mind. No, let me tell you who you are. I'll use Peter's words you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation. Come on, you're better than this. I'll use the authority given to me, right? You see how that works? It's just one aspect. It'll it'll go into your finances, it'll go into your marriage, (laughs) it'll go to your job, it'll go to your friends. So let me tell you how the Bible refers to us, to man's relationship to God. Let me give you a couple of phrases it uses. It calls us servants, saints, ambassadors, sons of God citizens of heaven, kings, God's workmanship, children of God. But you know what God never called us? He never called us Christians. Do you realize that was a name that was never given to us by God or the apostles? You know where the name Christian came from? It came from the book of Acts when the apostles were doing the great works of God and the citizens, the people, the ordinary people seen what the apostles were doing by using their authority and their rule and their reign over this creation that God gave them. They seen them and they they had to say something. They said, man, they're Christians. People... The general population gave the first apostles the name Christian. God didn't give that to us. People gave it to the apostles. Why? Because when they looked at their life, they saw Christ. They saw his authority. They saw his rule. They saw his reign. They saw his love. They saw his compassion. The word Christian means little Christ. They didn't give it to themselves. People that saw their life gave it to them. So you can call yourself a Christian if you want to. And if that means something to you, then okay. But if somebody else calls you a Christian, that means something. That means that they see something in you that is not like this world, but it's like something greater. Amen? And the kingdom of God, the culture of the kingdom of God, looks like Christ. A couple of verses and then I'm going to wrap this thing up. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus makes this statement. In this lesson he teaches, there's a, he's, he's by a mountainside, gives a big crowd of people. Jesus says, okay, everybody grab a seat. I'm gonna teach y'all something real quick. And then he gives us these incredible teaching called the Beatitudes. It's found in Matthew chapter five. Listen to what Jesus says. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Quick question. How many of you are poor in spirit? You're scared to answer that question because you don't know what it means, right? Everybody raise your hand. You're all poor in spirit. Congratulations. Everybody's poor in spirit. You know what that means? That means you're all missing something. That means you're all lacking something. That means every one of us has deficiencies. And that means we're in the perfect place because we qualify Watch this. To have the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is not because of me. Remember, it's God's rule, God's reign, God's will, God's way, right? I in myself cannot possess the kingdom of God. There has to be a dependency. That's that relationship we're talking about. There has to be a dependency on him. That means that Pastor Jamie's not the know-it-all. I know you saw me that way and it's hard to not see me that way, but. I think I'd rather be poor in spirit than rich in the world and have the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of self. Amen? Where do you find yourself today? How's your relationship with God right now? You see that last point demands a question to be answered. If God's plan to rule the earth goes through relationship and not religion, then how is your relationship with God right now? I'm not asking you that question so that you feel more condemnation. I'm asking that question so that you can come out of condemnation so that we can bring a solution to this thing. You need to be brutally honest with yourself today. How is your relationship with God right now? Is it good? Like, man, you're trucking along with God and it's good. Well, if that's you, man, praise God. We're all rejoicing with you. But maybe is it, is it kind of... Eh? I'm, I don't know it's hit and miss well praise God we can change that or is it just like non-existent like honestly you jump back into your kingdom and you ain't looked back since maybe you're here and you've been mad at God There's some things that happened to you or didn't happen to you and you've been frustrated and mad at God and Quite honestly, you didn't want to hear about his kingdom. You really didn't even want to hear about him. Everybody look at me. That's okay. That's okay. God's not throwing himself on the floor because you're mad at him. By the way, he gave you the emotion of mad or anger. He knows how to deal with that. God is patient. God is kind. He's long-suffering. If that's you, He's waiting for you to come back. I guess the real question is is, will you come back? I've been guilty. I mean this is a continual struggle my kingdom still wants to exist my will still wants to be done this ain't something that happened 20 years ago this is every day you hear me? every day every day something's gotta die so that something else can live and it's gonna happen through relationship so let's deal with that today A verse to you from John chapter 3, Jesus said this I want you to, I want this, I want you to let this just kind of marinate in your heart Jesus answered he said truly truly I say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God he's speaking of being born again so I'm going to give you an invitation in just a second there's going to be two invitations given one invitation is gonna to be to those of you that are here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. I want, you to say, I want you to hear me say this. I am glad that you're here today. In fact, I'm excited because you get a chance today to give your life to Jesus, to come into a relationship with God. The Bible says that, so, so watch this, if you give yourself to Jesus today, if you give your life to Jesus today, that means before you walked in here and before you made this decision, you was an enemy of God. And now that you've made this decision to give your life to Jesus and accept him as your Lord and Savior, now the Bible says you've become a friend of God. I'm glad you came today, right? That's the first invitation. Is it to, It's an invitation into an original relationship with God and then the second invitation is this. It's it's an invitation to come back to God. You're saved. You know that Jesus is Lord, but honestly, you've just been doing your own thing. That's the second invitation. So we're gonna lower the lights for a second. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes because I believe this is a private moment. I'll make the invitation and I'll give you a chance to respond. If you showed up today and you know with all honesty and with all your heart that you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to make that decision today, nobody's looking around. I ask you just to raise your hand real quick. In the room, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anybody? Praise God for that. The second invitation is this. If you're being honest with yourself, you would say, My energy, my effort, my time, my talent, my treasure. My emotional energy has been all about me. along with that. If you've been struggling with disappointments, letdowns, and you find yourself feeling some way about God that you know is not right, you know it's not right, but you can't help but feel that way. Maybe you're mad at him disappointed maybe you're upset with him maybe something happened to you and you're like where was he at can I ask you to get real honest with me today nobody's looking around if that's you would you just raise your hand I just really feel in my heart that's what I thought that's good all over the room all over the room wow you can put him down thank you for being honest you see the response here today. What's funny is is you already knew that. None of this took you by surprise. Fortunately, God, you know where all of us are at. You know what we're lacking. You know what we're struggling with. You know where our deficiencies are. You know how we feel and why we feel that way. You know how much we wrestle with those feelings. (laughs) What I hear God saying this morning is this. of you who raised your hand. He's asking, will you trust me again? Will you trust me again? Will you trust me? trusts me until you can one day get a full understanding of I'm so excited because you never fail God Jesus. this morning.